Talk of Muncie, WMUN. All kinds of people. Hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz. Getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana, in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host, Dr. Joe. Hey, hey, everybody. Good morning and welcome to WMUN and all kinds of people. And I have to say I'm quite delighted to have a former colleague with me today, Chris Fluke. Thanks for coming down to Woof Boom to be on all kinds of people. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, You've been around Muncie for quite some time. Thank you. Um, I know you're finishing up your 15th year this year as a senior lecturer um, at Ball State. But let me take you back to um, the early days of Muncie, which is home, um, mom, dad, what things were going on back in the day when you were, um, let's say, floating through elementary school into high school. Share, share a few memories that jump out at you with the family. Sure. Uh, we actually lived just outside of Muncie in this, what is now Yorktown. Yorktown and uh, Mount Pleasant Township. Uh, Yorktown, yeah. But uh, Muncie Address. Um, I went to St. Mary's, which okay. is now St. Michael, through eighth grade. So we have a Catholic school a Catholic together. School. Thank you. I, too. <laughs> went to St. Veronica's. Thank you. Yeah, I know lots of people in our culture like to always have all these horror stories about Catholic school. That was just not my experience. I, mean, I think I was very well prepared. Not mine either. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, my mother taught. She taught at St. Mary's for a good long time and then uh, taught at Union High School in oh, Modoc okay. uh, sort of the last 10 years of her career. And then my dad was um, or, uh, was an engineer at Westinghouse and then at ABB. He worked and made, like, transformers and that kind of stuff. Okay. And I was um, – I mentioned right before the show that I have one of your dad's wood boxes because <laughs> he was into just kind of tinkering with those things, which I found quite fascinating. Yeah. For, like – I mean, he's his health is not so uh, great now, but for a long period of time uh, he did woodworking. And not just as, a, like, a hobby, as a – I guess what we would now call a side gig, <laughs> where he would, <laughs> where uh, he did like furniture repair and um, and made made stuff like that. Would take like um, exotic wood or really really nice hardwoods and make like ornaments and boxes and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you went on to Ball State, got your degree at Ball State, um, and really caught. Well, I guess. Um, caught some real interest in history, and I'm quite fascinated what might have triggered that back in high school or early years of college or... Um, I was Growing up, this was the books we always had in the house were just history books. My mom is a huge history buff, um, and so I got a lot of those books when she was done reading them. They were just passed okay, to me. Okay. And then I went to high school in Yorktown, and I had wonderful history professors, just absolutely wonderful history professors that I think made it very accessible um, in a way that was more than just, like, academic. So I took a, I had a minor in history at Ball State where I had equally wonderful professors in history. Um, 
but majored in media or telecommunications. Right. Um, and then when I started uh, teaching at Ball State, I moved downtown to the Old West Inn in an apartment building that was called the Rector Suites, and they were, they were not suites, <laughs> not at all. Maybe, but, maybe a little misterm, but yeah, yeah fine. Right, a little bit of hyperbole, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but it was really wonderful to live downtown because it was, it was an urban experience, and well, something that I really didn't have where I could park my car and really not have to, you know, on the weekends, and not, I could walk everywhere. We had a grocery store, bars, restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Sure. It was a good experience. Um, and then the old West End, uh, where the where the apartment building was, is just full of wonderful old architecture. And that's really where I started becoming interested in local history to figure out, well, what's the story of that house? That house is abandoned. That house right next door has been fixed up. You know, what's the what's the difference and what's the backstory of them? I'm just fascinated by the fact <clears throat> that you developed that curiosity, but then took it to the next level, becoming the president of the board of directors of the Delaware County Historical Society. Um, and picking up some grants along the way, and one in particular that jumped out at me was to help with the revitalization efforts of the Delaware County Historical, $184,000 in grants. What what was the real motivation for you to jump in and take on that responsibility? Well, at Ball, at Ball State, I don't know, it's been about 15 years ago, I, we, I did a project with students called Historic Muncie, and it was to archive and um, a lot of the historic structures that are in the 12 different federally recognized historic districts in Muncie. So this was using a class yeah. to kind of help investigate and pull some things out? Yeah, that's right. We, okay. made, we made documentaries and some other stuff just to sort of elevate historic preservation or what what's going on in Muncie regarding historic preservation. And then um, I got, through that project, connected with Russell Irving, who is a longtime, many things, but a longtime historic preservationist, lives in the old East End, he was involved in the Historical Society and then got me involved in the Historical Society. Um, the Society had uh, was, was at the time, and this has been like 10 years ago now, but um, was, was run by some very well-intentioned people, but just hadn't modernized a lot of the nonprofit, just how to run a nonprofit. And so I, along with several others, um, came in on the board and really sort of changed the structure and trying to make it as a modern institution as possible. Um, with how we collected dues and how we uh, sold things and how we paid for things and uh, just made things a lot smoother. And and clearly <clears throat> made use of the historical references in the little house where things were stored, which I, I'm not sure a lot of people are always aware of, um, and started turning that into additional stories of history, both using classes as well as yourself and other people. Well, yeah, and so one of the things when I started getting involved with the Historical Society was just um, just the, the demand for content. And because I had come from a media background, I mean, I, then I, I figured that out, that like I was able to marry the two together. And nothing against academic scholars, because I think their research is incredibly important, but sometimes it doesn't always connect to the public. And so I, I see myself as like a public historian to where I can take all of that wonderful academic scholarship that really isn't designed for general consumption and then find a way to communicate that through media or through um, writing that is more essay writing, you know, designed for the public at large to communicate a lot of the same things. I think it's really neat and a tribute to your career that you were able to get student groups and sometimes specific classes involved in doing some of this work. 
which not only builds up their portfolio, but allows you to further the whole cause of the Delaware County Historical Society. And I just wonder what the challenges are sometimes within the classroom setting of assigning that kind of assignment <laughs> and looking for historical accuracy with a group of students in a very short time period sometimes. Yeah, and it is a challenge. A lot of, a lot of it came from, um, you know, for a certain kind of student, an assignment that exists only in the realm of a classroom is, is, is limiting. And so the idea with what our university calls immersive, but everyone else calls experiential, was to do something, a project that had real-world implications. And so a lot of the – because my interest was in history, I could, I could see where in the community that maybe a better story could be told about this historic district or this building or whatever – and then working with students to be able to do that. And I think for certain students, that was a good challenge because it adds not only the pressure of making the content look and sound good, but doing it in a way that is ethical and communicating the right right kind of content that is following scholarship and, and all of that. So and, can, and putting quite a bit of load on your shoulders because you had to do the initial historical research. Yeah, then uh, that, that was yeah the bigger I mean, issue. You like doing it, I understand that, but the bigger the bigger issue was always trying to trying to fit these projects into a semester, and so like you know four and a half week or four and a half months is not sometimes the most conducive way to do it, especially with the breaks that come up once in a while. <laughs> That's you. right. Um, we're with Chris Fluke, who's a senior lecturer of media at Ball State University and past president, board of directors of the Delaware County Historical Society, and. Chris, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the Torch Relay project okay. in 2016 and give listeners an idea of what it was like to travel. How many miles do we oh, have I a ballpark? <laughs> thousands. Many, many thousands. Starting up north and working our way through the entire state of Indiana with that Torch Relay. Um, and we're going to be back with Chris um, after this break. On radio every week and podcast on demand, soundcloud.com slash WMUN radio. Back to Dr. Joe. Welcome back, everybody. We're with Chris Fluke, who's a senior lecturer of media at Ball State University, wrapping up his 15th year as a senior lecturer. Thank you. With years before that over at the academy. And Chris, right before break, I mentioned this torch relay project in 2016 where you pretty much covered the entire state as a torch was being passed. Can you give us a little background on that? Well, and also picked up a $70,000 grant, I believe, to do it. So yeah. what was it like to spend pretty much months <laughs> filming and collecting and then editing? Yeah, so it was a really amazing experience, and uh, we had our department had partnered with the uh, tourism, the state tourism office, for many years prior to that to make little short profile videos okay. of communities all across Indiana. And then when Indiana, the, the the bicentennial was coming up, so 2016 and 2015, the tourism office planned just a celebratory highlights of the bicentennial by running a torch, which was actually a series of torches through all 92 Indiana counties. And because of our partnership with them, they um, essentially worked with us or through that grant partnered with us 
to produce all of the daily media and then a highlight documentary of of the whole relay. So went for six weeks, although we did the project for an entire semester, but went for six weeks. So this was six weeks following the torch? Yes, following the torch. And so we lived, we had this creeper van, <laughs> this Ball State creeper van, <laughs> and we lived at a hotel for six weeks. And from morning, into, from sunrise till sunset, we followed this torch all around Indiana. <laughs> oh my, I just, I just was so fascinated by that because... We were colleagues at the time, yeah. And I thought the end result was so great, but I kept thinking, you in that van and then uh, <laughs> lodging. Um, but you nailed it and got it done. Um, another project of yours that I was quite fascinated with, and I know it was really close to your heart, was the Hurley Goodall Memorial Statue Project that you secured a little over a hundred thousand dollars in funding for. What triggered your interest in Hurley and to pursue some grants to put up a memorial honoring so, his life? I had never, I don't ever remember a time without knowing Hurley Goodall. And my parents always spoke with him of reverence, but so they were both in unions. Um, Hurley was a big union supporter. And so he was just, he was just known around the house. And so I always, I was, always knew of him. And then when we got involved in the historical society, we started joking that we were going to put a statue of someone historically significant on every roundabout in Muncie. So like a great way. And that joke actually then turned into a real life project where we thought we would um, take take someone of historical significance, um, but also maybe, uh, uh, you know, had some sort of connection to history, local history, and then do public art. And there was really only one candidate for that, Hurley. And Hurley at the time was older and in poor health, and so we wanted to do something while he was still with us. And then uh, it was the easiest $120,000. It was the easiest money I've ever raised in anything I've ever done because it was Hurley. Because of Hurley. Yeah, I just go to the, I went to the foundations and some others and even private donors. And lots of people, even if they didn't necessarily agree with him politically, had tremendous amount of respect for him. And so it was it was an easy thing to do. So I, I did hear you mention that one of the goals was to have one of these statues at all the roundabouts. Yeah. So <laughs> is this project still in the works? No, <laughs> I mean, that was just it was sort of just a joke. But like part of it was just a, a traditional public art. And uh, my original idea when we when we, we put together a steering committee for it, and okay. the original idea was to put it in McCulloch Park because there's already statues like facing the river. The so, river, yeah. But a lot of the people on the steering committee were like, no, <laughs> that was it. They were like, absolutely not. He should be somewhere downtown. It should be. And so the steering committee opted for, which I think ultimately was the right choice, with Fireman's Park right across from fire station number one, where he served when he became one of the. OK, uh, I just think that was a, another one of the grants that you secured that led to um, recognizing a person that deserved it so well absolutely. and that you pursued, which I think was cool. Um you, you got an award from the Broadcast Education Association in 2021 for the best decision 1865. You recall what that was about <laughs> when you put that all together? So during the pandemic, uh, the Historical Society, we, we, we pretty much stopped a lot of our programming. And I should mention the Broadcast Education Association is a nationwide group of 200 plus schools. And so to get a best award at the national convention is quite an honor. So, okay, now I'm going to back you up to Decision 1865. Yeah, and so it was, a, it was a, a tremendous honor to win it. I had actually tried for many years to win an award at the BA and never got anything, so that was nice to win that. But during the pandemic, um, 
a lot of our programming stopped at the historical society. So I made a bunch of like short documentaries. I just pick a topic that I thought would be of interest. Killing time, are Killing you? Killing time, yeah. <laughs> well, just stopping that because everyone just essentially went online, something that, you know, we could still meet our mission, but but have quality content. And so it was a short documentary on Muncie's first municipal election hmm. in 1865. So when the, when the, when Muncie became an actual city, and there were two elections that year to get the government up and running. And now it's, it's just the documentary is just on that. Okay, once again, though, bringing in your interest in history um, and the city of Muncie. Um, every so often when you're not pursuing history, you and Courtney, your wife, take a break and do some other things? Yeah, we travel a lot, um, less so since the since the you know the onset of the pandemic, but we do lots of little short weekend trips. We just went to uh, Mackinac Island in October, the first time. It was a magical experience. Back to was, my home <laughs> state of Michigan and Mackinac Island. I mean, it was wonderful. I mean, everyone has always talked about how wonderful it is. I'm like, how wonderful can it really be? And it actually is <laughs> absolutely wonderful. It's, a, it's an incredible place to go hang out. And um, What's it like to have seven Emmys? <laughs> well, there's I mean, seven regional Emmys. Well, so I understand that, but still within the career for an academic to nail Emmys, it's got to feel pretty good to occasionally at least reflect on the fact that you have those. It does, but I mean, less so because of the academic side of thing and more so because of local content. And so I have chosen to make my career in Muncie, which I'm very proud of, but that limits me immediately to the kinds of audiences that I can. I mean, I can produce content theoretically for a nationwide audience, but that's not... It's not how it generally works in our industry, right? So being in Muncie, I produce stuff for a Muncie audience. And having that kind of recognition, because there's chapters all over the United States that judge that, that's what seven different chapters all over the United States have looked at my work. And so it's great to win it, but the what's valuable to me is that someone outside of our community is recognizing the work that I've done and sees it of value, even though it's really hyper-local content. Yeah, and it's – well, it's it, – being involved myself in the Indiana Broadcasters and other groups, it's it's a very good honor to get that kind of recognition yeah. at a regional level in particular. Um, over the years, we've often talked a little bit about courthouses. You're, you have a fascination with courthouses and the history of them throughout the state of Indiana. Um, where did where did that part of history get triggered in your mind? Um, our courthouse. Because these are incredible buildings. Yes, and so we... We, we tore our, the one that everyone considers to be most elaborate. The third Delaware County Courthouse was torn down in the 60s, and rightly so. It was covered in bird poop. I mean, it was small. It was in poorly built to begin with. It was, just, it was built out of sandstone. It was just the right decision to tear it down. But what they replaced it with was something that's – the architectural style was not as inviting as the previous one. And so I just got to researching it, and then – Indiana and Ohio and places in Iowa and places in Texas even, uh, they have a different kind of courthouse where it was uh, whatever architectural style was popular after the Civil War was popped up, but they were all built on squares or most of them were built on squares that have four entrances. And the idea is that the rule of law is at the center, is an accessible center of daily life. It's not a church. It's not a monument. It's, not, it's nothing but the rule of law. And so I just became fascinated with that idea and that manifested after the Civil War in these elaborate architectural styles. You go over all over Indiana, and there's these really ornate courthouses. And so I just took photos of them all. And many of them preserved. 
Yes. Many of them. I think all but eight of the of the historic courthouses in Indiana have been preserved. We've been talking with Chris Fluke, everybody, who's um, heavily involved, as we've learned in his history, especially of Delaware County, and currently working with students in a variety of classes at Ball State in emerging media and teaching them along the way to develop some great documentary and video skills. And I'm happy to say a former colleague of mine, uh, Chris, I really appreciate you coming in today um, for all kinds of people. And to all of you out there, I hope you have a good week coming up, and I hope you join us next week for all kinds of people on WMUN, the talk of Muncie. I'm Dr. Joe saying have a good week. This has been WMUN's All Kinds of People with Dr. Joe. To hear this episode again or any other, hit soundcloud.com slash WMUN radio. This has been a presentation of Woof Boom Radio and WMUN 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, the talk of Muncie.